Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, I remember back when I was in grade school, some of you have a harder time remembering that than others. Hey, that's not a put down. Some people just remember those days better than others. But I remember back when I was, I would say, eight or nine years old, during that period, just having a fascination with history. And I remember even writing two research papers, even at that early age. One was on Magellan, and the other was on Marco Polo, not the game that you play in the swimming pool. And, you know, I just had such a love of history at that point, and I even read some books that, that were historically oriented. And I remember also, by the time I became an adolescent, thinking how boring history was. And how it was only about memorizing dates and names and places. And how it just wasn't relevant to my life. See, because by the time you become an adolescent, everything is in the immediate. You care about what your friends are doing and what your schedule is and the events that are coming and the concerts that you're going to and the sporting events and what girl you're dating at the time in my case. But you don't necessarily really pay attention to the big picture. I remember in one of my history classes being reminded by one of the teachers that said, you know, you really need to stay on top of current events. And I remember thinking back then, really? Why is that important? Several years ago, in our local newspaper, During this particular week, the Martin Luther King week, I read a quote. The article was being done on what does Martin Luther King week mean to you? What does Martin Luther King mean to you? And they quoted this young African-American child in his adolescence who said, quote, Who is he? What has he done for me lately? And I remember looking at that and absolutely being appalled. And then I remembered how I was as a teenager. There's something about going through that period when really you're so focused on yourself and your peers that very little, much else in your life matters. And I wonder how many people really grow out of that. Because we need to. It's not just about the immediate and what's happening in my little sphere with my friends that affects me personally. But what is the bigger picture? I started coming back to this whole notion and idea that history is important when I was in college. Because in high school, I got enamored with math and science. 
because I did really well at it. Go figure how I ended up in this profession. But the reality is that when I was in college and I changed my major and started taking more history classes, I in particular loved the history of the Reformation. And even more specific, I took two independent studies, one-on-one, at the University of Pittsburgh with my advisor on the English Reformation. In fact, at one point he even said, Greg, have you ever considered going on for your Ph.D.? And I said, no. I didn't love college that much. But the reality is I began to rediscover the importance of history and what it means for our lives. And really, if you think back to previous centuries and generations, before the emergence of the radio and television, how did most people learn what was going on And what was the history? They learned from families sitting around and telling stories. Stories of their family. Stories of their background in faith. Stories of the history of their culture and their people. They told stories. Books weren't even available that much up until more recent history. But see, what's happened over the years is we've become much more an immediate culture again. And it's become pervasive for our lives. Think about how much is immediate. Email. Websites. The information that we have at our fingertips in the snap of a finger. And then you go to things like texting and tweeting. And what's the other thing? Snapchat. Did I get that right? Come on, you young people. Tell me. Did I get that right? All right. There you go. Hey, I have a flip phone. What do I know? You know? The reality is so much more. The world is creating an immediate mindset again. And we can lose sight of history, not because only dates and names and places are important, but because the lessons of history... And the principles that we learn from what's happened in the past and how we can apply it to the present and on into the future and how we can begin and continue to develop as a people and even more God's people because we understand what's happened before. We understand what's happening now. We can begin to chart what we can do in the future. And if you look at the Scriptures, you see both. You don't see an either-or, and I'm not trying to paint a picture of either-or. I'm painting a picture of both. We need to know what's going on around us. We need to have grips on the present. But we need to know the past, and we need to chart a course for the future. We do that with finances. Some of us. We do that with our families. When people begin to think about retirement, but isn't it so much more? See, let's just take two Gospels just to get this understanding of the immediate and history. The Gospel according to Mark, if you were to sit down and read it, it's the shortest Gospel, 16 chapters. 
And you were to read it, you would be amazed if you sat down in one reading and see how many times the word immediately is used. You would think that Jesus did his public ministry in two weeks. Because everything's immediate. And there is an urgency to the gospel. That we are called to be committed to getting the word out now. To reach out to people now. But then you turn to John's Gospel. And in John's Gospel, you get a sense of more than just the immediate. When Jesus met with the individual people that he met with in John's Gospel, he was totally focused on them. There was an immediacy to those conversations. That Jesus wanted to get the idea of the kingdom of God. And the message of God's love. And salvation to them. But, when John's Gospel unfolds, you see at the beginning... At the very first verse, in the beginning, it's a throwback to Genesis. John has this picture in mind about God from the beginning. And then you get to this passage we have before you in John 1, 29 and following. Where John the Baptist is pointing to Jesus and saying, Behold the Lamb of God, which brings to mind the next book of the Bible, Exodus. That the Jews were released because of the Passover and the Passover Lamb that was sacrificed. And then you get into John chapter 2, where Jesus clears the temple. And this sense of God's holiness, and how Leviticus talked about the sacrificial system, and the holiness of the temple, and how the temple needs to be set up in the sacrifices. And how Jesus clears the temple because he cares about holiness. So then you have Leviticus. John is very conscious as he writes his gospel of the unfolding of God's salvation history and the whole of the Bible. Because it means something. We understand that God has a plan and God has a plan for our lives. We understand that God has laid this out through history. And now we've come to this point of the Messiah coming. And John the Baptist is the bridge. He's the bridge from the Old Testament. The prophets who brought the word of God. And right now in the presence of Jesus, he's pointing to him and he's saying, as the last of the traditional kind of prophets, here he is. He's the fulfillment of all the salvation history before. What the Jews have hoped for. What God promised and now we see fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what's going on. That's the picture that we have here. So that we are to see ourselves as needing the gospel for our lives here, now, today. But that we're to become a part of this salvation history and the continuing unfolding of God's work in the world. That's what he wants for us. That's his plan. So we have this phrase, Behold the Lamb of God. Now you need to somehow get in your mind back to this time, if you can. Because you have all these people who have come out to hear John the Baptist. And they probably came out for a variety of reasons. You know, John the Baptist, in many ways, he was this voice of God. And so some people were coming out because they wanted to find a deeper relationship with the Lord. Some were curious, is this really a prophet who's come from God? Some heard he had a message that was different than what they were hearing from the Pharisees and Sadducees. And some just wanted to be entertained. Just like today. 
but they came out. And John the Baptist said something very unexpected. Behold the Lamb of God. What did that mean to them? In some ways they would click into this Passover lamb who was sacrificed for them. That meant something new happened. They were experiencing freedom, release from Egypt. That God was their God and he was their, they were his people. But pointing to a person as the Lamb of God, that just didn't completely make sense. John himself did not have a complete understanding. John would not live, John the Baptist would not live to see Jesus crucified and risen. But somehow, because of God's Spirit, gave him the word as to what he was supposed to do, what he was supposed to say about this person that he saw the Spirit of God descend on, which would give an indication of the Messiah, which for many of the people around there would not make sense. Wait, the Spirit descended upon him, resided with him, Well, that's the Messiah. But he's going to be the Lamb of God. He's going to be sacrificed. How does that make sense? There were questions. There wasn't clarity. But this picture of the Messiah that you see actually in Isaiah, all of this coming together, was beginning to be filled in. What was happening is the dots were being connected. Did you ever do that when you were a kid? You do the connect the dots and this picture emerges. I used to love that. And actually at times, they were, they were numbered because they were so complicated. And you're, you're not exactly sure what you're looking at. And then as you follow the numbers, it begins to emerge. That's what's going on here. The dots are being connected for the people of Israel. All this that has gone before, building up to this point. John the Baptist pointing. And then you get to the apostles who understand. Who understand. Because you hear them talk about the Messiah. They're beginning to get a grip of who this is and why He came. That wouldn't be totally clear until after the crucifixion and resurrection when the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon them. Then they would have clarity. And that's why this verse the Spirit descended upon Him, is important for us. Jesus modeled what we need first and foremost, baptism. And we're going to be sharing in that in just a few minutes. And it will remind us. But as you hear the words of the baptismal service, what you also hear and see, that the Holy Spirit is meant to be involved. And like Jesus, the Spirit is meant to come upon us and reside, stay, so that we have this constant growing relationship. That it's not just about repentance. It's about passion and zeal, which I talked about last week. A love for the Lord and a love to go out in His name and share His message. To be a part of the same thing that John the Baptist was involved in and Jesus was involved in. Getting the message out of God's commitment to us in sending His Son of the depth of His love that He died for us, of the outpouring of His Spirit so that we can be transformed into His image. All of that is happening at this moment as this message is being told. And what did the Holy Spirit do with the apostles? Jesus said in the upper room, He will guide you into all truth if you listen to Him. 
He will teach you about me and the Word of God so that you have an understanding. He will empower you for ministry to go out. You will become part of a body, the body of Christ on earth, His church. And you're supposed to go out. Not just keep it to yourself. Go out and be an instrument of change in the world so that people understand that God loves you and He wants something so much better for you than you're experiencing now apart from Him. That's what He wants to do. And then we see from the lips lips of Jesus and the lips of the early apostles the simple invitation, come and see. Come and see. See, we're called to respond. To come and see. It's the same invitation that we can use. Simple and yet profound all at the same time. Come and see what the Lord is doing, what the Lord wants to do in your life. Come and see. This is not just mundane and boring and just history of dates and names. That God wants you to experience His life, His abundant life, the fullness, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. To have this same passion and fire that's promised through this Messiah that He wants to do in your life. He doesn't want you to wonder. He wants you to be convinced. He wants you to know the depth of His love. You know the commercial with the little kids sitting around the table with the adult? You know, and he's sitting in the kid's chair. And at the end of the commercial, whatever it is, you hear this thing, it's not complicated. Right? It's not! The Christian life is not complicated. When you really understand the basic gospel and what God wants for you, and then you begin to trust Him, and then you grow in that depth, and He'll take care of that. He will help you grow. He will help you change. You will have His heart. But you just need to give yourself to Him. Otherwise, for you, it will always be the immediate. It will be about you. It will be about your world and what you want. It will not be about Him and what He wants for you and what He wants for people around you. An incredible transformation, an incredible love. Come and see. Come and see. I have to tell you, if you're one of those who likes to follow the outline in the bulletin, take a break right now. And the reason I'm telling you that is because something happened in the last day that changed my conclusion. And this is, by the way, leading into the conclusion. Got an email yesterday that really blew me away. And it's dated, just so you know, Saturday, January 18th at 3.42 p.m., right before I was doing a funeral. So I didn't even see it when it first came in. But this woman wrote, Oh my gosh, Greg, I'm a voice from the past. And I'm going to skip around in this letter. 
We attended Young Life under your and Meredith's directions many, many years ago. Now, I figured this out. This is probably about 38, 39 years ago. This is right around the time Meredith and I started dating. We did ministry before we got married together. She goes on to write, I accepted Christ as my Savior and Lord somewhere around that time. Today I was thinking about my journey in Christ to where I am now, and it all started with young life, you and Meredith. Now why did she even look me up on Google to find me? It was because she saw my daughter's picture in the Pittsburgh paper after she was married. And she said, how many Kronzes are there? And so she decided to do a Google search and found me at this church. She said she did a little research. She goes on to write, Two years into Bible study fellowship, I became a children's leader for them. Being a Christian leader at Bible study fellowship five years led to my teaching Sunday school at my home church. Mommy and me class for a few years and their nursery supervisor where I run a faith-based Mom's Morning Out program currently. I guess that is where I found my gift and calling, teaching God's little lambs, his love and his word. I just wanted you and Meredith to know that it was your love of the Lord and your enthusiasm and your obedience to follow God's call to communicate his word to a bunch of teenagers. Nearly 40 years ago. You have no idea what you do when you proclaim God's word. You have no idea how God wants to touch lives through you unless you begin to do it. You have no idea what seeds you plant. But this is a part of my history. That I started doing ministry in Young Life in 1975 as a volunteer leader. That's how I met my wife, Meredith. And I just happened to be walking through the office yesterday... And what do I see? A flyer from Steve, Young Life's Carolina Point. Today, the immediate for our young people. See, God's not about either or. He's about both and. He cares about you right now, today, the immediate. And he cares about the legacy that you're a part of the history of His people and salvation and the people He wants to reach. And He wants you to be a part of that. He wants you to look over the past of what is said in the Word of God and how God has tried to reach over and over again His people, people that are broken, people that have need, people that need His love need His Spirit, need His Gospel. And joining Him in that. We're about to have our annual meeting later on this morning. And I've been here now, I think this is my 22nd annual meeting. We 
We have a history. We have a present. And we have a future. We together as the body of Christ are called to look at our history. We're called to stay connected to Him and to each other now as His body. And we're called to work towards the future. This is not mundane. This is not boring. It's about your eternal destiny that God wants for you, and it's for people who don't know Him yet. And people out there that are broken and have need of Him and need of a community. That's what we're meant to be about. God's love in Jesus Christ. The fact that each of us can say, and we need to be able to say, I love you, Lord. And I want you to be a part of my life. And we need to be connected, Martin Luther King style, to the beloved community, his church. And we need together to minister to each other and minister to the world around us. That's why we're here to make a difference now in this world and for the future and for all eternity for some people who don't know Him. That's what we're meant to be about. That's what John the Baptist was about. That's why Jesus came to die on a cross for you and for me so that we can make a difference in history and be a part of His history. Are you a part of that? Are you convinced of this? Because He wants you to be. Do you know this for yourself? And do you want this for those you love? Because God wanted it And wants it for you because he loves you. And he doesn't ask us to do it alone. He sends his Holy Spirit to know his truth, to live his truth, to bring his truth. And to be empowered to do his work in the world. Are you convinced it's simple come and see and it's simple for those around us a simple invitation to evangelize to witness to merely invite to come and see what God wants to do because he loves us Simple and profound. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord God, we are about to share in a baptism, a new beginning. But it's an opportunity for us to renew our commitment to you. Lord, that we all have a history. history of our lives. 
your history that wants to intersect and a destiny for our future through your gospel and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray this day that you would pour your Spirit upon us, upon your church here, gathered, that we would seek to grow in the knowledge and love of you, of what you've done in history for our salvation, of what you're doing now to win us to yourself and change us, and what you want to do in us and through us for the future. That we would grow more and more in love with you. More and more committed to serving you and serving others. To be willing to risk, as Jesus did, rejection, misunderstanding. And that we live not only in the immediate, but in the midst of your salvation history. From the past, in the present, for the future. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.